Hey, good morning, CLC. Uh, my name is Ben, I'm one of the pastors here. For those of you guys that do not know me or met me for the first time, you know, before I dive into the Word of God, um, you guys should need to be really, really be grateful uh, for that we have a children's director, right, and, and a youth director. You have no idea how many churches in the Bay Area are looking for children's directors and youth directors. They're constantly asking me, hey, do you know anyone who actually could take over our children's ministry and youth ministry? I mean, it's, there, there's so many need, and I am so grateful that we had the opportunity to uh, commission uh, uh, Stephen and also recommission or to bless uh, Scott, uh, who is our youth uh, director. Hey, um, you know, as a pastor, um, not only do we or do we have a hard time coming up with a message, but do you know what is really, really harder to come up? It's actually coming up with a title. I really, guys, you have no idea. You have no idea how hard it is for us. Now, maybe it's just me, okay? Maybe Pastor Calvin and Pastor Eric doesn't have a problem for me. And coming up with a title of a message is really, really hard for me. And so for the past you know, couple of weeks, I've been kind of wrestling with it. We, I already had the passage. I already had kind of the message in line. But coming up with a, with a title was very, very difficult and so as I was kind of rummaging through my own library, I happened to get across, come across a book. Uh, the book's title is actually uh, uh, 316, A uh, Number of Hope. Uh, so the person who actually wrote it is actually Max Lucado. And he writes, he writes in this book, this 26-word parade of hope beginning with God, ending with life, urging us to do the same. It is so brief enough to write it on a napkin, memorize it in a moment, yet solid enough to weather through 2,000 years of storms and to solve any questions. If you know nothing about the Bible, start here. If you know everything about the Bible, return here. We all need this reminder quite often, for the heart of human problem is the heart of the human and God's treatment is prescribed in this number of hope. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who shall ever believe shall not perish but will have eternal life. And in this number of hope showcases how he loves and so he gave. And if we believe, we shall live. And believers and seekers alike have flocked to this message of hope and continues to share this message with those that they love even today. Now, for me, it was the love of my Sunday school teacher that I am able to stand before you. Her name was Rose, and she loved me so much that she trolled me to find where my classes were in college. She stood in front of every single class, and she asked me to come up to a Thanksgiving retreat on November 27, 1986, and when I had received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It was my Sunday school teacher who invited me to, to receive this 
message of hope. And so for the next eight weeks, we are launching a brand new sermon series based upon this hope and this love, and we're calling it Come and See. Come and See. Now, write scriptures of God where, where God meets His people, demonstrates amazing love to them. And these three words, come and see, were also Jesus' invitation to experience life with Him. For Jesus did not turn crowds or individuals away. Instead, He loved those who came into contact with Him, comforting them in their darkness struggles and meeting their hearts, their deepest longings. And through these stories, we're going to learn to do likewise. And through these stories, we're going to be able to love one another so that that you will feel loved. As Jesus has invited, we are inviting all of you to come and see as God continues to give this hope to humanity still, even today. And so today... I I want to introduce you to that first character. And that character is found in 1 John, and it was John chapter 1, verse 43. Okay, so can I have that scripture verse? Okay, so hey, I I like to do something a little bit different. As I read the odd verse, would you just follow along with me? We would just shout it out. It's a participation, okay, guys? So as I read one verse, I want you guys to read the next verse. So next day, Jesus decided to leave Galilee, finding Philip. He said to him, follow me. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, He is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you're the son of God, you are the king of Israel, and all together. Jesus said, you believe because I told you, I saw you under the fig tree, now you will see greater things than that. Today I want to introduce you to a first character. Maybe this person we just read, maybe we're not too familiar, or some of you guys might be thinking, well, <laughs> Nathanael in the Bible? Well, his name is Nathanael. And here we see this scrupulous but ill-mannered friend of Philip who had the nerves to shout out to Jesus, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, take a look at verse 46. That's what he says. Nazareth, can anything good come out from there? Nathaniel asked. You know, you see, Judea and Jerusalem looked down their noses at all those peoples who were in Galilee in general. Now, Galileans were very hick. They were unsophisticated, mostly illiterate. They were the lowly kind of people. Now, I'm just going to just leave it at that. I'm not going to name a city, a town, a state that some of you guys have in mind. I I won't say any places. Now, I've tried before and done that, and it really didn't work out very well. Well, you know what? Uh, I, I don't want to offend anybody 
But the Judeans saw the Galileans, all of them, as unsophisticated, backward hicks. But those who were Galileans even had a place in Galilee that was worse than their own place. The armpit of Galilee. And that place was actually Nazareth. So when Nathanael shouts out, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It was a very, very derogatory question. It was a sentiment of unimportant and an obscures, and he, like other Jews, believed that not a single good thing could come out of Nazareth. Now, I want us to kind of pause here for a second and ask the question, you know what, haven't we all had one of these moments? You know, met a person, guy or a girl, and you thought, you know, there really isn't much about this person, him or her, that would impress me. If you are like a, a managing director and you are hiring people, I'm sure that you guys have had these kind of experiences. Him? He's from an unimportant town. Her? She's from a hidden place far, far deep in the mountains. And there's not much about him or her that would impress us because simply where they're from, their backgrounds. Now, I could think of so many biblical characters in the Bible that had these kind of experiences. And from the top of my mind, King David just pops up. King David was one person that, you know what, that was going through this kind of a ridicule. You see, everyone in the family, you know, not him, not David, He's just a little runt. He's a shepherd boy who lives, who lives in deep, deep in the mountains. Uh, but this is where hope comes in. You thought there was no way. You thought there was no possible way. Not there. I've lost hope. There is no way, and God turns our despairs into hope. And Jesus shows up. You have those moments where there is no way, there is no way that God could show up and you're in despair. You lost all hope and all of a sudden, God shows up. You know, something this week happened that I'd like to share. A God sighting. Now, I have this relative who lives in Korea that, that I really, really dearly love. Me and my wife really, really loves this, this lady. I mean, she's really, really special to us. I mean, we, we all have relatives, right? Cousins or nephews and aunts and uncles that, that we really, really like, right? So when I lived in Korea, you know what? We, we would take her to church because she's not a believer. But you know what? There was one thing that, that drove us crazy because you know what? She is so cheap. Now, some of you guys say, you know what? No, she can't be cheaper than me. No, no, seriously, she is cheap. Because whenever we would ask, hey, let's go, let's go to church. And he goes, oh, I don't have anything to wear, so I can't go. And she would make these kinds of excuses and excuses and excuses. And when we actually moved back to the United States, you know, our hearts were really, really, and we were always praying and keep on, you know, monitoring and asking. And so just recently, recently, my wife called and said, you know what? 
you know, aunt, can, did you go to church? Are you going to go to church? And this was her excuse. I don't have any money. Now, it, was, it, would, it would take her from her house to church. It would take a cab ride. And I, and she, I think my wife asked, now how much? Like $10, right? $10. She said, I don't have $10 to go to church. And that's what she said. And we were kind of pressured. Hey, you know what, Auntie? We'll give you the money. We'll wire the money, right? We'll give you a whole year. Ah, it's okay. It's okay. We don't need it. I don't need it. And we began to pray. Now, she has this neighbor that she likes to kind of hang around with because she's a rich lady and she likes to buy her things, right? And she loves being around. Now, one thing that we were kind of like, we were like, a little bit worried was because she was not a believer and she was actually a Buddhist, right? And so she would often go to the temples and we were like, oh man. And one day, one day, one day, as she was kind of, you know, gathered in a, in a place and she was like, you know what? She was sharing like, you know, I can't go to sleep. I have, I have developed this insomnia and I can't go to sleep. And one of the person that she was hanging around happened to be a Christian and she invited her, hey, come into my church. And for the first time, this Buddhist lady came into the church for the first time and she felt peace. No other peace that she could ever have felt in any places, not even the temple that she goes to. And she just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And now this lady had shared this with my aunt and she said, you know what? Let's go to church. And, and, and once again, my aunt goes, I can't go because I have no money. I don't want to spend the $10. And this lady goes, it's okay. I got you covered. I'll take you to church. I'll pay the taxi ride to church. Now, those of you guys who are not, oh, whatever, no, you have no idea. We've been praying for a long time for our aunt to go to church. And she would make all these excuses. And the amazing thing about God was that she actually made this Buddhist lady go to church because of an invitation of come and see so that my aunt could go to church. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You bet. And the answer is, was or is Jesus Christ. God has strategically placed his message of hope in a backwoods, no-name, good-for-nothing town called Nazareth. And the amazing thing about, the amazing thing about Jesus Christ, this message of hope, is that he still continues to do so today. Lavishing his love from town to town, cities to cities, countries to countries, you know, we've all witnessed it last week when we heard the testimonies of a young girl who lost hope but through an invitation of her roommate, Irene. Come and see. We saw Shruti getting baptized. I mean, we all eyewitnessed it for ourselves. So this message of hope first, this message of hope meets where we are Wherever we are, even places like Nazareth, where there was no hope. Now, the second thing that this message of hope meets is that it meets our needs, my needs, your needs, 
and everybody's needs. I want you to take a look at verse 47. Because when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still underneath that fig tree before Philip called you. Now, here we witness, I witness the encounter. Jesus sees Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Now, the word here, deceit, indeed, is, an, is, is a Greek word that means truth. You are genuine. You are the real deal. What you see is what you get. You wear your hearts on your sleeves. Man, you said some honest things. You are a true blue Jew, an Israelite indeed. And Jesus shocks him by saying, and I know everything about you. I want you to look for yourself in verse 48. Nathaniel replies, how do you know me? And I love this. I love this. And Jesus answered, before Philip called you, before the conversation he had with Philip, when you were underneath that fig tree, I saw you. And then Nathaniel replies and says to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And that's the moment he believes. And that's the moment that the divine election and human decision transacted right here and then. And just like that, Nathaniel came and saw through the invitation of Philip and he encounters Jesus, our master. You know, as I was kind of meditating upon this passage, I, I wish that, you know what, all invitation could end up like this. You invite somebody. Come and see. Like the, the title of our new sermon series, Come and See. We're inviting. We, we are encouraging you guys to invite those people who do not know the Lord. Come and see how good God is. And I wish all invitation could end up like this. You know what? I want you to come and see. And Jesus just kind of engulfs their life. And everything just all of a sudden, bam! Everyone becomes a believer. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be so, so exciting? But I want you to notice something else about how Jesus transforms Nathaniel. It's amazing how Christ meets our needs, your needs, and my needs. How Jesus gives Nathaniel this gift of hope. Now, I looked. You know, personally, I don't know what the the fig tree represents. Now, most scholars think it was a place that nobody knew about, or maybe it's a place he thought, a private place where he just went out to figure something out, life's greatest problems. Questions like, you know what, hey, who am I? What's the purpose of my life? Why was I born? Is there a meaning after death? Maybe Nathaniel meditated and pondered upon these things, and maybe... Maybe he was there asking God these very same questions underneath that fig tree. Who knows? Nobody knows. But, but listen to what Jesus says. I heard you, Nathaniel. I heard you. I, I know everything about that fig tree. I know your needs, and I've got the answers. 
I've got hopes for you if you only come and see. And that's exactly what Nathaniel does. He goes and sees, and he meets Jesus, and he proclaims that you are the son of the God, you are the king of Israel. One of the reasons why I became follower of Jesus Christ is because when I was growing up, it seemed that no one was listening to what I was saying. You guys ever have one of those moments where like, you feel like you're all alone? No one seems to care about who you are. No one seems to listen. Even maybe your husband, your wife, or boyfriend and girlfriends and brothers and sisters. Now, I'm the oldest son of three boys. And we have a middle child who was a prodigy who had a photographic memory. While I was studying my butt off, studying maybe six, eight, ten hours just to get by, I would see my brother, my middle, middle brother, just goofing off, not doing anything because he would just skim over the books and he would get all A's. And now, if you live in a, a family a equation like this, all the attention goes to who? The middle child. Now, our youngest one, he, he was privy to that. He, he didn't care. He, he was the most carefree. He, you know what? He, he, he just, he was out there, right? Nobody really cared about the, the youngest one. But you know what? For me, man, that really, really hurt my pride. So I tried really, really hard. I studied really hard. You know, last week, uh, those for those of you guys who are, who are, who are uh, freshmen or college students, I, I was tossing and I told my, my staff, you know, that was my first time tossing a, 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 a beanbag. Seriously, it is. Now, some of you guys didn't know, I see Stephen shaking his head, no, no, no. That wasn't my first time, seriously, throwing a beanbag, okay? Now, I, I'm, I'm pretty good, I'm pretty athletic, even for my age now. And when I was younger, I, I tried to really, really impress my parents, I couldn't do it with education, studying. So how I tried to really, really win my, my parents' love was to really, really accelerate in sports. So I've done that. All throughout my life, I wanted to get the attention and an approval of my parents. But the answer was no. Because my second brother was just way out there. But on November 27th, 1986, at 11.53 p.m. at this retreat, I finally understood. I finally understood Jesus really, really knew who I was. And he was always listening I wanted to be heard. There was this deep longing. I wanted to be heard. And Jesus met my needs. You know, I've watched people who were like Nathaniel, resistant at first, like me included. They have issues. They've got Christians. They've got struggles. 
Then all of a sudden, I've watched them in a split second. Some light goes on in their heart and their mind, and all of a sudden, they turn their lives over to Jesus. And for me, it took 18 years. Just like Shruti. Now, sorry, is she here? She's she here? She's not here. Sorry. Okay, I don't have to be sorry if she's not here. But I keep mentioning her. But you know what? Last week, as I was listening, as me and my wife were listening to the testimony of Shruti, my, my wife looks at me and says, you know what? That girl really, really met Christ. And we were so happy that she's part of our community. She's part of this, this loving and caring community called CSC. But just like Shuri and I had wrestled with questions like, there must be more to this life than just living and dying. It's just study to go into a good college. What's the purpose of my life? And then on that night, 11.53 p.m., everything came into place. Everything makes sense. I finally understood the meaning and the purpose of my life. This 26th parade of hope became a beacon for the existence of my life. This message of hope, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe will not perish, but have eternal life. You know why? Do you know why? Because the gospel offers several priceless benefits right now in this life. Things like freedom from guilt, assurance of being loved, guidance on how to live, even an understanding that we can't rely on the things of this world. And and the gospel is a dose of realism, not advertising hype. The, guy, the gospel lets us in on the secrets that happiness is not achieved. Now, you could fill in the blanks. Getting lots of money, climbing the corporate ladder, or being the most popular. Or, or to those who are hungry for a good relationship, because so many people live in a constant charade, hoping that no one could ever find out what they really, really are like. So they are so afraid of losing friends that they will never make any because of their fear of not being like, prevents anyone from knowing the real us. But you know, the gospel does not guarantee us the social skills to find good friends, but it does tell us that God loves me, you, and all of us. Even when we are fighting, even when we are saying things like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Even if we doubt, there is no way we can be sure that he loves us. And when we lost all hope, God enters to give hope. You see, there is no one too hopeless to receive the hope of Jesus Christ. Let me repeat that. There is no one too hopeless to receive the hope of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel says that God sent his very own son to die for everyone, even for those people who are trying to kill him. We can never do anything so bad that God will stop loving us. 
Even the best of friends in this world lets us down. But the gospel points us to an invisible. Now, I didn't know what kind of word to, to put here. Like, God, gospel points us to an invisible God. Now, you know what? I, I'm going to say this very loosely because there are some of us here, we have had this encounter, we've met, we saw. But anyways, that's, that's for another time. But this faithful friend, Jesus, the best in human friendships, is the only to foretaste of the eternal joys that we will have in Jesus. He, he meets our needs by giving us hope in handling the problems of life. And the scripture points to that. And God gives us this amazing practical advice on how to live. Like soft answers to turn away wrath is a remarkably effective strategy. It is a blessing. Even the life to be humble, considerate, gracious, grateful. The way of Jesus gives this tremendous peace of mind. It is an effective antidote to this anxiety that we face, especially in the, in the covid as much as we can to put into practice. Now, sometimes, you know what, it, it, it is, we're not even good at that sometimes. But we have confidence knowing that the Bible puts us on the right track because He is the truth and the way and the life. And lastly, you know what He does? And this is something that I really, really love to do. Or I love, thing, I love what, what the gospel says. I love, this, is, this is something that I love why church could give hope to those who are hopeless is because he takes us on this spiritual journey of becoming fishers of men. And he wants us to share this message of hope. Now, which by the way, is my next week's message. He, he wants, he gives us hope so that we could actually <laughs> relate or, or to send or to, to go and tell of this message of love. Because if you read in verse 51, he, he added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending in the Son of Man. Now, what this verse is saying to Nathaniel, he's saying to Nathaniel, I am the link. I am the latter. I am the only mediator between God and men, and you're going to see in that in the days ahead, you're going to see that there is only one way to make contact with God. There is only one way for humans to make contact with God, and that is through me. And when Jesus comes into your life, we're all in for an adventure. You know, some time ago, I was actually in Spokane, Washington. It's been a long time since I flew I was boarding on a plane that, in an airport, and I saw this banner on a wall that grabbed my attention. It said, buckle up. You're in for an adventure. Now, it was a Southwest ad. Buckle up. You're going to be, or you're going to go through an adventure. Now, in the sentence, I feel like what, what Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, Nathaniel, buckle up, buddy. You're going to have the adventure of your life. And you know what? That is so true because for the last 36 years, my relationship in Jesus Christ was, it was an adventure. Jesus is saying to us, you're going to see such things 
as if all heavens will be open to you. You know, so with that, I want to conclude on this note. I feel like I'm speaking to a few or maybe a lot of Nathaniels out there here or to those people who are watching. And here it goes. Jesus knows you. He knows all about the questions. He knows your thirst, your hunger. Maybe it could be that some of you guys who have come and you just sense something a little bit different. Maybe some of you guys are feeling when you're in church, I'm around people who are really believes and feel Jesus is alive. I could kind of sense that he's among us. But you still got issues. We all have those struggles. And here is what I suggest. And I love the answer that Philip gave to Nathaniel. Just come and see. Come and see. Come and check this out for yourself. For those of you guys who are watching through Facebook or Zoom, please come and see in person. A lot of you guys are, oh, you know what, I'm so comfortable behind, you know. But you know what, unless you come in person to witness this amazing hope, this amazing love. Maybe some of you guys say, oh, but I'm just, uh. this morning I'm just going to say to you, just come and see. And I love the response that Philip gave to Nathaniel. Because if you do come and see, and if you do respond to him, you're going to discover a couple of things. Number one, you're in for an ultimate adventure. But also you're going to discover that he has been waiting for you, waiting for all of us all along. He's been right here. He's been waiting Because this amazing part about this message of hope is that he has made a choice even before, even before we got here. Even before. And that's the amazing thing about this message of hope. Even before you chose, and God already knows, God already knew that you were underneath that fig tree, struggling, pondering, wondering. And I love about that. And I love the fact that he's always going to wait. Before I close in a, in a prayer, you know the one thing that's amazing about our God you guys know that other gods that other people serve, you see, people have to go. People have to travel thousands and thousands of miles to temples and whatever to go to become. But one thing amazing about our God, he didn't stay in that place. He came down. He walked. That is the amazing thing about God. 
And next week, I'm going to show you something that when I read it for the first time, it just totally blew my mind away because he's a God. He is the only God in the universe who ran to us. You will never meet any God who runs to its people. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so very much for your word. We thank you for the first time that we have spent in this John chapter 1, verse 43 to 50. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit through the writing of John that has given to us. And I just pray, Father God, Lord, that we may not know who you have elected, but I just pray, Father God, Lord, that you would choose that you would keep that appointment that you have made with us before the foundation of the earth. And I pray, Father God, Lord, that you would continually, Father God, muster up, Father God, our desires, the people who actually believe, to invite those people to come and see for ourselves. Father God, we, we anticipate. We know, Father God, Lord, that you are the best thing that could ever happen in our lives. Father God, I ask in the name of Jesus, that, Lord, that we will be able to really receive and be able to really become disciples so that with this message of hope that we could actually declare to the ends of the earth. Father God, I thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.